Ace and Swish podcast, where we discuss all things sports and debate. I'm Ace. And I'm Swish. And today, we have an action-packed episode discussing a crazy NBA trade deadline and our Super Bowl predictions. Let's begin with what all the listeners want to hear about. The Kevin Durant trade, or perhaps the series of trades the Knicks executed to completely tear down their super team project. The Nets traded Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and TJ Warren for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jerry Crowder, and five first-round picks. Just when we thought it was going to be a mundane trade deadline, Kylie immediately requested a trade right after we dropped episode three of the Ace and Switch podcast, leaving us all in shambles. A couple of days later, he gets traded to the Mavs to end up with Luka Doncic, and the Nets get a first-round pick, a couple of second-round picks, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, just to add to their roster. Then, Kevin Durant requested trade internally once again, and the Suns, with new ownership in Matt Ishaba, scoop him up. Start with the KD trade. Swish, what are your initial reactions to this? Well, Ace, for some reason, when I first got word of the Kevin Durant trade, I was not surprised at all. I didn't run around the house like a madman because superstar talent like KD had gotten traded in the middle of the season. This seemingly had been in the making for ages. Brooklyn's super team falls apart because of some drama constantly following them I think KD didn't believe that he could actually win a championship with Spencer Dinwiddie as a second option. You can't really blame him. Now he gets to go to team up with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, which is, well, a nightmare to guard. So let's get a pack, let's get to the package. The national season. Yeah, we met, the Suns gave up a lot. They relinquished talented two-way wing Michael Bridges, a great young shooter and 3D player in Cam Johnson, a veteran who could be flipped, four more assets in Jay Crowder, and four unprotected first-round picks, and a pick swap. I was gonna say, dang. Suns got rid of a lot of wings until I saw that they reacquired TJ Warren, who legitimately played a key role in fantasy rotation. The idea of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant teaming up was thrown around last summer, but now it's actually come to fruition. Who guards these two on a nightly basis? Which teams have the athleticism, strength, and versatility to stop these guys from getting to their spots? Only team I can really think of at the moment is possibly the Clippers and the Warriors if they get their mojo back. Not to mention, they still have a Clipper former in CP3, who I think has one more valuable playoff run in him, and a defensive anchor and excellent play finisher in DeAndre Ayton. Sure, they lost they lost a lot of depth in this trade, and their defense takes a hit. Nonetheless, the Suns pulled the trigger. Going all in on a championship was the right move for them. Now's the time. I agree, Swish. Even as a Celtics fan, and I'm sort of scared about this roster's potential. I'm worried about the Suns' defense, though. Without Michael Bridges, who's going to guard this team's best defender? Well, it's not defender, but offensive player. Bruh, I don't care.
that she don't care. Anyway, that's a fair defensive point. But Durant has been quite the team defender from South this season, and I think the Suns will develop enough chemistry and a good enough system to survive defensively. What I'm really worried about is their depth. Who's going to be the forward next to Kevin Durant? They traded away a really good piece in Dario Sark in the Darius Baisley trade, which is really horrific for the Suns, and they shouldn't have done that at all. But anyway, and also CP3 may be forced to carry a lot of minutes because the backup point guard play is not elite. We'll see what happens, though. It's definitely a tantalized trio the Suns have. Now let's tackle this trade from the next side. They obviously got a complicated. Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, they flipped for five second round picks, four first round picks, and a pick swap. How good was the package for Katie? I get that some have criticized the Nets for their time to move, but honestly, they recouped a ton of value for KD in this trade. Michael Bridges, he's no joke, folks. A team offered the Nets four first-round picks for him, and in addition to that, he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Cameron Johnson is shooting a great 3D player, and the Nets got control of the Suns' picks for five years, so they have gotten back the picks they lost from the hurt trade. Now with all the assets, they have acquired the trading, pre-Irving, and Kevin Durant, which is 11 first-round picks, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, a few second-round picks from the Bucks. Can determine who's going to be part of their core and officially not worry about having to deal with the drama of a super team. Just a product with basketball. They save plenty of cash space with the luxury tax, and now, they transition to the next area, Brooklyn Nets basketball. Yeah, I think the Nets won this trade since now they don't have to deal with drama with what seems like every three months. <coughs> Kyrie. <coughs> Good luck to the Mavs with Kyrie and Luka. I think Kyrie's gonna be willing to stick in Dallas, actually, but he's officially Dallas's incoming problem. The offense production could be crazy if they really can play alongside each other. I'm not sure if this translates to deep playoff success because Dorian Finney-Smith was really crucial to any defensive success they had, and without him, they seemed pretty terrible. Agree. Let's quickly move to assess other contending teams and the moves they make made, sorry, to make a deep playoff run this postseason. My beautiful, perfect, utopian Celtics made the perfect move to make a deep playoff run, acquiring Central Michael Scarlett from the Thunder for Justin Jackson and two second round picks. Well, the Heat, my team, made no moves whatsoever besides shopping off Dwayne Denton, Luxury tax savings. No! Anyway, because Pat Rowley didn't drop a follow on the podcast.
legitimately if why did Miami didn't make this man drop the follow? Anyway, Muscala is going to help the Celtics because of his dynamic stretch shooting ability. And he also provides rim protection and a teensy tiny bit of mobility relative to other centers. He's one of my favorites, and it was a shrewd move by Brad Stevens and the Celtics to acquire him not being biased. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. And our Eastern Conference rival also acquired the aforementioned Jay Crowder in his trade with the Nets. This deal featured five second round picks, Jordan Nora, Serge Ibaka, and George Hill being sent out by the Bucks. The Pacers were essentially given Nora the Baca Hill and a couple second round picks were free, so the Nets didn't have to take on salary and could save money. Yes, Ace, another very shrewd move from the Pacers end this time. They get two veterans in Ibaka and Hill who can kind of mess with the young guys, maybe bought out, and take a flyer shot on Nora while also acquiring three second round picks. And the Nets acquire a couple seconds for Browder as well. Not sure this is the best move for the Bucks though. They overpay for Browder. Can still provide the team some size and some defensive versatility, but he's going to have to ramp up because he hasn't played at all this season. I wouldn't give an excess of second round picks, solid young player in the world, and veterans in Ibaka and Hill. I don't really value those second round picks as much as you do, Squish. The Bucks are going to be a winning team for the foreseeable future with Giannis signed long term. But it's still unnecessary to give up that much for a player who may leave in a few months and has shown signs of decline. Agree or disagree? Let's move on to the several moves the Clippers made to bolster their roster after the trade deadline. Los Angeles traded for Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, and Mason Plumlee, giving up John Wall, Reggie Jackson, and a couple second round picks and Luke Kenner. What are your thoughts on this trade, Swish? Boys, I love the Bones Highland deal from Clipper side. Clippers get a nice quick spark off the bench to provide some scoring next to Kawhi and Paul George. And they only needed to pay two second round picks for a guy's young and talented. As in Gordon, they have a better defensive versatility and shooting. I think giving up Reggie Jackson and a second round pick for Plumlee was a bit questionable. But Plumlee offers them a solid backup center behind Hubach. And they also have been linked to Russell Westbrook in the buyout market. And I know what the listeners are thinking, oh lord. But I guess he provides some playmaking, which they sorely need after trading away both of their point guards. And it seems destiny at this point with Paul George already recruiting him. Regardless of what happens in the buyout market, I still remain objective. The Clippers made solid moves. Cover the other LA team. The Lakers overhauled their roster during trade season. First, finally trading Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, then acquiring D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, trading Thomas Bryant for three second round picks and replacing him with former Orlando Magic Center. Both bomb the Lakers suddenly made good now. Can't blame Polinka or Westbrook now if they do struggle. Yeah, and each piece that the Lakers acquired gives them what they need. With Russell, 
and by that I mean the better one. They get a point guard who can actually shoot the ball. doesn't work out, they can let go of Mithridates. Beasley, they get a shooter that can play in lives with LeBron and AD. With Vanderbilt, they get a great defender who can handle the ball and create passes and is at least somewhat respectable for three. And in Bamba, they take a shot at young rumor type center with some legitimate upside. The Lakers added some good pieces this deadline. Now it's up to them and Darvin Ham to make sure they mesh in time. Maybe I'll start watching the Lakers now that there's some hope and hype around them. Still not better than my precious Celtics. Let's conclude by discussing the Super Bowl. Chiefs and Eagles, Hurts versus Mahomes, they're playing in Glendale, Arizona. So the Chiefs have a traveling advantage. Both of these teams are loaded. There are numerous storylines from Nick Serrani being let go by Andy Reid when Reid started coaching the Chiefs, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey battling out the Kelsey field. This is a super tough Super Bowl to pick, and our predictions record is on the line. Swish is 5-1, our 4-2. So, who are you picking? Swish. Eight Eagles or Chiefs? In hindsight of the only flaw of my incredible predictions record, Chiefs being me, Bengals. I should have never bet against Patrick Phillips. Why would I do this in the Super Bowl where he has two more weeks rest to heal that bum ankle? Because he's has way more experience in the Super Bowl than the Eagles and have the traveling advantage. But I'm still doing it. And I'm picking the Eagles. While the Bengals defense has some solid pieces in them. The Eagles, they're on a whole different level. Now, you could argue them giving up only 14 points in the two games to the road of the Super Bowl will only do to San Francisco, essentially not playing without a quarterback, and playing the Giants, who are notoriously well uh, bad. They have four double-digit sackers, leadership, forced turnovers, all of which play towards the Chiefs' liabilities. I don't think the Chiefs' offensive line it's going to be good enough to stop such a strong pass rush. And Mahomes' mobility will magically heal enough so that he can escape the song Reddick and company. Mahomes also doesn't have a receiving corpse that he has had in the past. Chiefs were super banged up in the game against the Bengals. Nicole Hardman is going to be out. Kadarius Tony is likely to I'm not sure. Marcus Bowers-Scantling, Judas Schuster, and Sky Moore will be enough even with Travis Kelsey giving almost after flexibility. Defense, I'm not sure the Chiefs are going to be able to stop Jalen Hurts from breaking the quarterback rushing record in the Super Bowl, which I think 64 yards set by Steve McNair. This defense isn't predicated on stopping the run, and I think the offensive line is going to be able to protect Hurts and allow him to hit guys like A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, and Dallas Gilbert. Now, I could be wrong again. And this prediction ends up in the ace and swish Hall of Shame. You probably should bet on Patrick Mahomes, folks. But I have a feeling the Eagles have the motivation, the intangibles to win this Super Bowl. They're probably the best roster in the NFL. So it's 27 24 Eagles. Surprise, Lick Swish. We shockingly agree. 
because of the reasons you just stated. The Eagles have an amazing defense and a great lineup, top to bottom. Something the Chiefs don't possess. Alright, let's wrap up this podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Make sure to drop the follow wherever you're listening. Or else. And we'll come back next week to talk about LeBron, who just recently surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. And Michael Jordan, who is really the GOAT. Peace.